Well, hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back. Uh, I do need to bring something up. You guys are wearing the same shirt you had on last week. Love these shirts. I just love it. Yeah, I'm like, what in the world? I, my wife told me I looked so good in it last week, I just needed to wear it again. Yeah. Well, the truth is that we, we're filming two of these at one time, and I'm the only one that thought to... Listen to the Holy Spirit yeah, to that's, change that's shirts. Right. Hey, um, today, uh, this is our, our next to last time together. I have so loved this. This has been amazing, and uh, I, I've just learned so much. And I know our church has, and, and so thank you guys for, for being part of this. And next week we're having communion. Yes. Um, I think you guys have done this before uh, since COVID. We have not. But uh, tell us how it works, Dorian. Well, uh, so, yes, we did this. Uh, we did like a Facebook Live uh, communion and just shared with, with our church to just bring whatever you have in your kitchen. And, you know, you might not have the good old communion cup with the bread chip on it, uh, but whatever you have, uh, you know, whether it's crackers uh, uh, and some juice, bread, yeah, yeah, a piece of bread, juice, and, whatever, uh, and yeah. join us uh, for communion. Yeah, and it'll be, a, it'll be an awesome time together. Just think three churches all at the same time having communion together. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And uh, so that's going to be great. I, uh, today we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. And uh, this morning, in my uh, quiet time, I was—I just finished reading the Gospels, and I, I got into the Book of Acts, and I only got into three verses, and I just had to stop. Mm. And so let me let me just read this. In my first book, this is this is Luke talking. He said, "In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles." further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Now, this next sentence is the one that hit me. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. wow. So these are his last 40 days on earth. Yeah. He's proving to them that he's alive, but there's one thing that he wanted to talk about, and that is the kingdom of God. God yes. The kingdom of God is the rulership of God mm -hmm. in the lives of his people yeah. here on earth. Yeah. This is the one thing that we are to be about. Yeah. And so um, that's what we're going to talk about today. And Jeffrey, I'm going to have you start it off again with a passage of Scripture that I have fallen in love with. It's a section of, of the Old Testament that speaks so much to our culture today. And I, when, when you sent me this passage, I'm like, oh, yeah, Jeffrey is finally hearing from God. <laughs> <laughs> it took us the whole time. It only yeah. took six weeks. No, this is great. <laughs> so jump in there and share it with us, and, and let's talk about this. Story. Yeah, um, and I will say before I get to this, uh, to piggyback on Pastor Greg, I said this at the beginning of last week's conversation, um, and I will reiterate it. Because especially when we are dealing with this topic on the kingdom of God, um, please know that this is the context in which we are having this conversation. Um, because if you take a biblical worldview, the kingdom of God never has nor will it ever fit into any kingdom of the world. Right. Yeah. It does not mean that we don't need governments 
It does not mean that we do not need law. It does not mean, not mean that we don't need representatives to, to help us. Nor does it mean that we are, again, anti-government. It simply means that for those of us that are called by God to follow Jesus, the world looks different now. Yeah. And we are to speak within that context. Um, and so to Jeremiah, back to our weeping prophet, <laughs> we left him last week in chapter 7 of his book, Forewarning Israel. If you don't turn, judgment's coming. Um, and the temple that you have made an idol, your religion that you've made an idol, um, God says, I'm perfectly willing to tear that down and take that away from you. Not that the temple's bad, it's just you've put the focus on it and not me. Um, but he said, even now, if you repent, I'll let you keep it. But they didn't. You keep reading and they didn't. They didn't heed the warning. They didn't think that God would be angry at them. And so now we find that Israel has been judged by God. The Babylonians have come in and God's hand of protection because of their choices has been removed. Mm -hmm. And the Babylonians came in and that's exactly what they did. They took them captive. They leveled the temple. It was no longer there. Their idol was gone. And they pull some of them, the, the best and the brightest, back into Babylon in order to serve the kingdom of Which, Babylon. That's the book of Daniel. Exactly. Daniel addresses this. And... Of course, anybody that's captive as slaves in a foreign land, they're just wanting to know, when do we get out? I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's, right. Where's our deliverer? How are we getting back to Jerusalem? As any of us would be in that situation. And here comes Jeremiah. And they even had some false prophets that was coming to them right. in that time <laughs> when they're wanting to get back saying, hey, don't worry. You know, God's not completely like left you. like 60 days or something. Yeah. We're like, out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's only going to be a few months and we're going to go back. And here comes the ever popular Jeremiah, right? Um, to deliver them yet another word of the Lord. And in Jeremiah 29, it says, Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. So he's in Jerusalem still, and he sends this prophecy, this letter to those that are in Babylon. Verse 4 says, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Um, notice it says God has exiled them there. They're there on God's mission, on God's purpose. Um, build homes, God says, and plan to stay. Hmm. Now they're listening to some false prophets if you read in the context here. No, you're not going to stay there long. God's going to get you back. Jeremiah says, no, build homes in Babylon, plan to stay in ba Babylon, plant gardens in Babylon, eat the food they produce, marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren, multiply, mm. do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city of Babylon, where I sent you into exile, God again reminds them, I'm the one that put you there. Pray to the Lord for Babylon, yeah. for its welfare will determine your welfare. Hmm. So hmm. what does it look like for the people of God in the Old Testament, Israel, for us, the church, to live in a community, a city, a nation, a world 
that is not based upon <laughs> the principles of Scripture. What does it mean to be the people of God? Yeah. Living in a world and a system that does not operate off of God's principles and God's standard of living. There couldn't be a better picture than what we have today. Exactly. Exactly. We're, we're in a godless culture. This is where we are. And I think that, again, the temptation for the church is to be the temptation of God's people when they were there. What has been the mantra, mantra of, again, especially white evangelicalism over these last several centuries in this dispensationalist kind of view of Scripture of like, get us out of here. Right. Get the rapture. Come on, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. You know, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's anti-God. It's this, it's that. And the answer a lot of times the church has is, well, it's going to burn Let's get out. Right. God, come get us. <laughs> we might need to stop again yeah. and hear the voice of a very unpopular prophet that says, God's not interested in your comfort. His kingdom was never interested in your comfort. He sent you as Jesus, the Son of God, was sent into a world that was upended and living under oppression by the Roman iron fist to declare the kingdom on earth yeah as it is in heaven and he has sent the church since his ascension as you read in acts one pastor greg to declare and to be the kingdom of god what does that look like what's that what's our responsibility as a church i think there's a lot to be said for that it's, it's how do we find our kingdom of god voice um and how do we identify with god's will not the will and the, of the world that, that we're surrounded by. Well, I love uh, just even just talking about kingdom because that's what Jesus preached. When he preached, he preached kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is now. And when the disciples heard Jesus, uh, not only just heard him, but when they saw the results of his prayer, those who followed him, they were so impressed by the results of his prayer. They said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. Mm -hmm. There's something about your prayer that is different than everyone else. And um, it's in, in Matthew 6 and, it's, and other, other gospels as well, where Jesus begins to teach the disciples, well, when you pray, pray in this manner or pray yeah. like this. And you know, many of us know the prayer. We've recited it um, many times. Uh, when Jesus starts to pray out, he says, our Father who art in heaven, establishing who God is. He's our father, who we are. Hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. Then he says, your kingdom come. Yeah. Um, for most of my life, when I quote that scripture, I usually say it like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But when you read Matthew 6, verse 10, your kingdom come actually ends with a period. Mm -hmm. It's actually a statement. Yeah. It's not your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is your kingdom come, period. There's something that God wanted us to see about his kingdom. And I love what you said in the beginning, Pastor Greg, that the kingdom of God is the kingdom is the rulership, the ruling or the kinging of God and in, in, in the lives of, of his people and, and in the world uh, that that rulership implies this, that for Jesus to tell us that when we pray that we must pray your kingdom come there, me, there must mean there's something else right now that is ruling. Yes. 
And be, there, because there's something else ruling that we, when we pray, when we engage in prayer, that we are declaring, God, your kingdom come and displace what is ruling yes. now. Yes. And so when Jesus said this, told us this is how we are to pray. I know uh, for many of you, like me, I used to think of prayers like throwing things up to heaven so that, you know, hopefully God will answer them. Something will stick and it'll come to pass. But I've learned uh, more. One of my favorite uh, writers and, and preachers, Dr. Miles Monroe, he would explain prayer like this. He would say prayer is giving earthly license for heavenly interference, that we are giving license to heaven to interfere in the things of the earth and that mm -hmm. God, God cannot without or God will not without man. Man cannot without God. There's a partnership mm -hmm. between God and man that takes place in the earth. So when Jesus said this, as we're talking about kingdom, understand that in the United States of America, there there is a ruling. There is a rulership in our society and in our world systems that must be displaced and they will be displaced by us bringing about the rulership and the kingship of God. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. so good because I, I think, that, you know, when we go in those conversations, I, I, I hear it all the time. You know, people automatically want to jump. Well, you're anti-American, or you're not. It's it's not that, but it, it it's rather understanding and seeing that. And we, I think, mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, that when you say yes to Jesus, you admit and you are declaring. Mm. It's not just some personal. Yeah, I think, yeah. like in the American church, <laughs> the last several decades, you know, we've reduced conversion to I say a prayer, I get wet, and I take communion every now and then, and mm -hmm. you know, I'm a I'm a Christian. That is not, and our hearts have not been converted. Right? Yeah. Right. And um, if, if you read scripture, this is why the, 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 the writers in the New Testament, they were saying, no, baptism is a circumcision. It's a conversion of your heart. heart. Yeah, yeah. Like there's something, and when you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to everything that Jesus yeah. came to declare and be. Yeah. And it was all about the kingdom. And it operated within, almost in a subservient way, Two obviously political systems that are erected, and it's like, it's just like you know, it, to reclaim again the voice of Jesus here. He says in the Sermon of the Mount, the, the language he uses is says, "You have heard it said, but I say to you." Yeah, yeah. You have heard it said, but I say, but I say to you. What yeah. was he addressing? He was addressing a religious system at that point, but it could very easily be uh, stand in for a political system, and he wasn't decrying that. He was saying, you've heard it said, you know, don't don't sleep with another man's wife. Mm -hmm. He's not saying, throw that away. That's yeah. not. But he's saying, I say to you, there's a different law of the kingdom yeah, the that goes deeper. Mm -hmm. And that's the one you have your allegiance to. Yeah. yeah. And if you get that right, this yeah. all of a sudden will begin to turn up on its head and you'll transform the world. Yeah. That's around you. I know we got to move to the next statement. But I said I have, I have to say this: this one thing you made me think about is that even the statement we make Jesus is Lord or make, oh. make Jesus the Lord of your life, we don't we don't Help fully embrace and, yes. and, and understand what we're saying. And that uh, I use I usually liken it to uh, getting married and coming to the altar. You come to the altar, you can say I do. It's not your saying I do; it's what you do once you walk back down the altar. Yeah. And so when we say Jesus is Lord, we have to understand that. Even that word Lord is, it, it really means the sole proprietor and owner. Mm -hmm. And so when we say he's the Lord of Lords, he's a sole proprietor and owner of all things. So when I make Jesus Lord, talking about this kingdom talk, I am literally saying that you are the sole proprietor and yes. owner of my life. And that I submit 
to you. I literally disown everything about me. I disown it over to you and let your will be done. But I know we have to keep this moving. Which was a political statement in his <laughs> yeah. day, too. Yeah. Because there was this thing called Caesar is Lord. That yeah. was the cry of the Roman Empire. Yeah. And here you have this peasant carpenter's son saying, no, yeah. Caesar is not Lord. He's only one. Jesus well, is Lord. Well, you guys have really screwed this up. <laughs> <laughs> we tried hard. No, man, we got to get just, back on track. Here. Well, I don't know. I can now, you got me all messed up. So I'm going to jump sure. in with something. Um, as I think about this, and I think about the kingdom, and I think about God trying to say something, and nobody's paying attention. Mm. Yeah. I can't help but think about where we find ourselves right now mm. in the United States in all of our mess. Yeah. We have been shut down. Yeah. We have been in quarantine. We're the, our 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 nation is in chaos. It's mm. a mess. Every day it's something new, something crazy. Mm. What where we should be kingdom people, I think we're just being ridiculous. Mm. We are having arguments on Facebook or everywhere else Come about on. masks. Come on. Oh, or give me a break mm. about uh, what are the other crazy things? I mean, statues and riots and, uh, and yeah. all these other things. And we all have to have opinions about this. And God's trying to say something totally different to us that our language, everything needs to change right now. God, what are you saying? Yeah. What do you want? And we're in these little stupid arguments mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. things that don't matter. Mm-hmm. Who cares about the communist idea that we're going to kill them by making them wear masks or whatever else is coming out there? The world desperately needs yeah. the kingdom to come. Yeah, We should act like it yeah we should be filled with a kingdom mentality we shouldn't even address these stupid things Mm -hmm. we need to be addressing what god is wanting to do in and through the local church Mm -hmm. yeah and it's time we grow up it's time we listen and and so so you know tony evans talks about this 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 church thing like it's an embassy so when everything out there, you know, and I've never been in a in a U.S. embassy. I've been in embassies of other countries in Washington, but never been in a U.S. embassy anywhere. But I've watched TV, right? Yeah. And so and it one thing tells happens when everything <laughs> when everything busts loose. Get to the, get to the embassy. Yeah. Don't shut the gates, man. Let me in. And it's so funny to watch when you get in there. Ah, oh, it's America. Yeah. Oh, people speak my language. Yeah. Ah, this is the hope I had. You know, and an embassy is a fairly safe place mm. in in the middle of a lot of mess. That's who the church is supposed to be yeah. right now. Mm. We are supposed to be the voice of reason, the voice of wisdom, the voice of spiritual life, the voice of hope in the middle of a disaster. Mm. And when we are anything but that, we are failing. Yeah. We're not being the church. And so the thing about the embassy and the church and the kingdom and now race is this we're to be together mm-hmm. we're, we're to be one yeah and i think as as time has gone on we've been following this we've been studying guys from all the way back before the civil war uh just about how things were laid out we, we listened to tom skinner and, and, and incredible speech that he gave in 1970 and we've been watching as 
as um, even civil rights leaders uh, have, have, have just given us a path to follow for so long. We've been ignoring all of this. And I think we're at a place where, hey, what if we changed? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I was just, what you just shared made me think about it's a perfect storm to prove if we are truly the church. Yes. Because when the church, you know, quote unquote, doors are shut um, and the opportunity to be the embassy that we yeah. look for, you know, to come through the doors and whether you get coffee or a bagel or whatever and, you know, sit amongst other believers and hear a sermon preached and people pray over you. When all of that is unavailable, are we still the church? And I believe that that the, the original plan and purpose that Jesus had for the church is that, yes, we are if we are being who God has called us to be, which is uh, that word in, in the Greek church, ecclesia, you may say ecclesia, is a two part word, ex kaleo, and it means out calling and that we have the opportunity to still be not in calling yeah not the in calling yeah. uh, we we have the opportunity but we really we have to get off facebook and this is going to be controversial for me to say this we have to Come get on. off we have to Let's get off facebook <laughs> and get in people's faces 6 feet apart maybe but yeah. uh but we have to we have to get outside of our comfort zones and be the church be the outcalling yeah. of Jesus Christ and we we right now in 2020 like never before because it's the perfect storm, the, the, the pandemic that also closed church doors and then uh, the, the uh, uh, r racial injustice and uh, police brutality and the uprising we have in civil rights movements right now. It's like the perfect storm for us to truly be the yes, church. Yes, yes. And, and I know uh, I've, I've heard people say uh, in, in my life, um, you know, well, the church is not a building. You know, I am the church and there is truth. Uh, to that, you know, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the house of where the Holy Spirit dwells in. But we understand that we alone, right. me, myself, I am not the church alone. That's, that's right. Um, but it takes, we, it takes more than but, one. Yeah, it takes more than one. Uh, but we all have a, and I know we're going to talk about more of the personal responsibility to get out and be the outcalling of Jesus Christ. And there's so much. Yeah, like everybody pray we get through this in a timely <laughs> manner. But um, back to your issue of like um, Dorian, incredible. And, and Pastor Greg, you talked about us being one, and the church is all of us coming together as one under the lordship of Jesus. And the problem, in, in my opinion, and again, here we're going to just get off into the grass here, but. If we're not careful, as the American church specifically, uh, um, the way that you acquire power in an earthly, carnal political system, and we are seeing it played out now more than ever, yeah. is you create division. Yeah, That's yeah. how politicians get power. Yeah, You create division, and you get people fighting one another, and you hope that you can get enough people on your side that can dislike the other people so that you can get in your position of power right. because you got all the answers to every ill that um, society is dealing with. And the, the problem we have as a church is we have, and again, there's outliers. This is not a blanket statement. There's everything is not like this, but I'm talking in general here. In the American church, we've allowed our voices to be co-opted by a very system that is built on division. Yeah. 
Hmm. A very the very system that the way they obtain power is creating division and screaming louder hmm. and trying to convince more people that they're hmm. right. And we have traded the voice of Jesus, who is supposed to be Lord of the church. I, I just think that the church has to rescue the voice of Jesus. Yeah, we have to rescue the voice because right now, I'm just going to speak within the church. For a long time, the church's voice has sounded a lot like Uncle Sam. Mm-hmm. And, and, and whatever political, and whether it's a right-wing agenda or a left-wing agenda or donkeys or elephants or whatever, it's like, as the church, Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. And His voice is what matters. Yeah. Not the other voices. And we are this embassy. We are this, this embassy that exists within it. That, that says, we are here, back to Jeremiah, to work for the well-being of it. And we understand that from a kingdom of God perspective, mm. we can't operate on the same value system. We can't operate on the same arguments. We can't operate. Right. We cannot be co-opted by yeah. anyone. That's yeah. so important. We have to stay grounded and rooted in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. We like to divert to the, to the pieces. Yes. The junk. And it destroys what God's trying to do. Yeah. We, we, we get these things we stand on, these flags that we put in the ground on certain issues, and, and, and it does the very opposite of what we need to be about. Those things divide, yeah. and you haven't gotten off track because mm-hmm. one of the things that we see as we're, we're being part of the embassy, part of the, the kingdom, is Jesus said in Matthew 16, remember, remember he announced the ecclesia, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the out calling. Right. Yeah. He says, in fact, by the way, he only talked about the church three times. Three times. He I, talked yeah. about the yeah. kingdom yeah. It, it, just in the Gospels yeah. more than 50 times. Yeah. All the time. you know, so, so we need to pay attention here. But he says, I will build my church. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't say that the church was built. Mm-hmm. The church is being built mm-hmm. right now, which gives us hope. Yeah. Because there are things, this is an active thing. He's, he's active in helping us to grow, active in helping us to, to build. It's an advancement yeah. of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. We, we tend to, to react to culture and, and, and all of these kinds of things rather than setting the pace. You just talked about that. Yeah. The church is to set the pace, yes. not, not culture. Controlled in the area. Yeah. yeah, so, so um, one of the things I love about this, Tony Evans wrote this, and I, I, I keep talking about him, but I've never seen a better teaching on, this, on the kingdom idea, and especially in race. He goes, oneness, now this is so important, because you know, guys, we pastor three different churches, mm-hmm. We, all three churches have different personalities. Makeup is probably different in terms of our, our ethnic makeups mm-hmm. within the three churches. Oneness does not mean that we are all the same. One race, ignoring our different preferences, is not the goal. Right. We're not trying to, to, to blend our churches together. Our preferences in worship and music and preaching and fellowship. We don't have to build a bunch of hybrid churches. Yeah. In fact, we lose something if we do that. Right. Because there are things that we can both, you know, all of us can bring to the table with us. And we don't want to lose these things. We just simply bring a bunch of different local churches together for kingdom purposes yeah. as one. We come together with an intentional strategy of building up through mutual service an endeavor that builds families, churches, communities, and ultimately our nation. Mm. 
I mean, that's, that's our, if you want to know what we're supposed to be doing, that's it. Yeah. We, we just drop all the personal agendas, the privatization of, of our Christianity, and we begin to operate as the church made up of many churches. Yeah. So one of the things, folks, this is going on record. The way you're going to be able to tell if all of these talks that we've been having every week ends next week or is at the beginning of something that God's going to do with our churches yeah. together. Yeah. Along with other churches. Yeah. There's some others that need to come into this stream with us. Yeah. And we need to walk down. This will be the telltale. It, you know, were we just blowing hot air here? Or what's going to happen? I know what's going to happen because yeah. we, we've talked about it. We're going to be part of this. Yeah. But we get to we get to experience this oneness. Yeah. What a great time. God just shut down our local church doors. He allowed that to happen. So that we could actually begin to think about the kingdom, yeah, yeah, and who we're supposed to be, yeah. I, yeah, no, I was, you know, you were talking about uh, this, the church that that Jesus is building and, and is continuing to build. I think about when you start a church. A lot of times, you'll have people who come into the church and want to start ministries, and it's usually out of uh, some passion. Uh, an area of uh, whether they've been hurt or an area where they just see an opportunity to, to serve and bless people. And so they'll start something that's a, a ministry within the church um, and is supported by the church. And it's there. It's a, a, what they feel called to. When I think about this, what we're talking about now, the church is literally it's the ministry of Jesus Christ. It is his calling. Uh, different than what you may have someone in your church say hey pastor you know i feel called to do this or have a calling this the church is jesus christ calling and he says this is my out calling so it's going out and it's very clear that it's an out calling because the very next thing that jesus says is the gates of hell will not prevail against it and when i see gates i mean Sometimes you see gates that move, but more often than not, gates signify something that's, that is blocking something from getting in and keeping something from getting out. And so Jesus clearly lets us know that this is his calling that is going out to prevail against the kingdom of darkness and against Satan and his works. And in order for us to do that and be a part of his calling, there has to be a oneness. There mm -hmm. has to be where where we come together to be a part. This is not about Dorian's calling or Jeffrey's calling or Greg's calling or, or Destiny Church or Light Ticket Church oh, or yeah. City Hills Church yeah. calling. The church is Jesus's calling. And we are all coming together as one to say, let's be a part of what Jesus is saying his calling is about so that we can prevail against the kingdom of darkness. And that's why I love, like you said, Tony Evans paints the picture of this oneness that we are truly called to be one and, and to grow as one. So I want to follow up. I was just getting ready to bring this up and you just said it. The keys that are given yeah. are the keys of the kingdom. Yes. Not the keys to the church. Right. I am so guilty of this. I have always thought my job was to do my best to build Destiny Church. Mm -hmm. And I realized 10 years into it, 
I'm on the wrong track. Right. This is not about Destiny Church. It's about the kingdom of God. God yeah. And the more I try to build Destiny Church, well, I shouldn't have been building it anyway. Mm. I mean, that's all confusing when you've been to pastor school like we have, right? <laughs> yeah, right. But, but, but we start focusing on a particular church, a local church. Yeah. And this is the, this is it. This is everything. If we can, and we've been taught how to grow these things and how to make them bigger and how to do, do so what? Right. We, the keys to the church are not very helpful when it comes to kingdom stuff. Yeah. The keys to the kingdom are much different. That's, that's why oneness between church expressions is so very very, very important because we are not we, we have we are incapable of fighting the the attacks of the evil one as one church. Yeah. In, in terms of a local, local expression. Church, right, right. We do it together. Mm-hmm. And if we're not together, we're not going to be successful. Yeah. And and that's why I, I don't think that we have to change the DNA of our churches so much are definitely not the makeup or the preferences that we have. That's what pulls people together. And, and we all grow from those things mm-hmm. and love those things. But I'll tell you something. When our three churches get together to worship, to pray, to fellowship, to get to know each other, it's going to change a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And this should happen over and over and over and over again. In, in the church in this country. Yeah. And um, this isn't about our organizations. This isn't about our Sunday meetings. Right. You know, I, you know we, I think we all miss going to church. And some people are working really hard to get back there early. And, and then some of them are having to shut down again. Yeah. And it's just we're focusing so much on the Sunday experience when we're supposed to be focusing on the kingdom work that God wants to do. Yeah. So I don't know if you got anything to throw in on that. I know Jeffrey's always got something to <laughs> preach about over here, but uh, I don't. We don't have much time left. I don't want to take it too far off, but I, I think that we do. Tagging into the conversation last week, we have to, as the church, be willing to be humble enough to self-critique. Uh, I think the arrogance, if, if we're not careful, we have this arrogant attitude. It's like, well, just because I'm labeled a Christian or I'm call myself a part of the church, mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm part of the kingdom. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to look very long in history. I mean, there's all kinds. This goes all the way back to the, you know, uh, um, Constantine in the, in the third century or so. Um, from when the church went from a very persecuted um, group of people that the empires could not snuff out, the more they persecuted and the more it spread... And then Constantine comes in and gives them a seat at the table of power, and all of a sudden they start infiltrating uh, governments. And you see that this radical shift happened in the church where they were more concerned about keeping their position and seat at the table of political power in the world Mm -hmm. than they were about speaking with a prophetic voice and being the church declaring the kingdom of God. And even in modern history, I mean, if if, if we're unwilling to step back and say, wait a minute, am I speaking with... Uh, am I speaking from a perspective of of the cross, or am I per- speaking from the perspective of a donkey, or am I pers- speaking from the perspective of an elephant? Mm-hmm. Um, am I am I claiming the voice of Jesus? Because do we don't we don't have time? I wish do the do the historical research 
Look at what happened in Germany in World War II. We, we, everyone would say atrocity, genocide. Everyone says that. But there was an expression of the church, the Christian church, yes. that yes. sanctioned it. Yeah. Yep. That stood by and said nothing because they were more concerned with keeping their influence in a very corrupt... and That's how subtle this is. That's how easy this you can slip in the church. And we cannot just be argumentative and so offended every time we start talking about this that, well, you're just... no Nobody's anti-American. Mm-hmm. We're pro-kingdom. And the moment that any country or any earthly kingdom crosses with the kingdom of God, we've declared Jesus is Lord, right? Right. So we have to... We have to go in that direction, and we have to. We we don't talk with the same language. We're an alternate countercultural community. We're foreigners in yeah. this land. Our citizenship is in heaven, and um, so we we talk different, we think different, we act different, we love different, and we work in a different manner to bring about the well-being. So I want to pick up on that because we've got to close, but yep. this we need to tackle this one. I promise we're not going to be that long. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Social justice. Yes. It is a word that is not going over well with an entire group of people. So let, we're going to take that and put that term aside because it got co-opted again. Right. So let's talk about biblical justice. Yeah. One of the things that I think that we're going to get to do together is deal with the justice problems Mm -hmm. in our country. We've seen them. We've had guests here talk about it over and over. I want us to be, I want the idea of the kingdom to really manifest manifest itself in our churches. And this is something, talk about discovery. You think about Sodom and Gomorrah. And when you think about the sin of Sodom, what do we think about? Well, we, we were taught it was all about homosexuality and what took these cities down. But I want to read this out of the, out of the Bible. Ezekiel 1649. Your, sisters, your sister Sodom's sins were pride, laziness, and too much food while the poor and needy suffered outside her door. Mm. Wow. I, nobody ever taught us that. No. We got stuck on the, the other sins. This is the reason that Sodom was, was destroyed. Because they were ignoring the poor, the needy, those who were suffering. The role of the church, and this is on my breath, the role of the church is to execute divine justice on behalf of the defenseless, the poor, and the oppressed. It's part of what we need to be about as the church, yeah. I think, in terms of, of the white evangelical church. And, and I don't even have to go that far. The problem with me mm-hmm. has been that I've ignored or didn't know about and maybe didn't even want to know about everything that was going on. It's easier not to. Not to know, right. And so that's a change that that I'm going through, and it's a change that I hope our church goes through, and I hope that the white evangelical church in America can get our hearts wrapped around this because I think it's one of the things that gets to happen as we become a kingdom-focused, 
church. Now, we were going to talk about things like restitution and reconciliation and those kinds of things. But I want to talk about something very interesting as, as we I'm, we're planting the seed today because we're not going to get a chance to really tackle it. But let's talk about responsibility. Talk about the, the big one. What is our responsibility to those in need? As we seek to give the poor the power that they need to ultimately rise above their situation, things change. Yeah. Things begin to happen. How many people, and, and, and as a business owner, I'm, I'm looking at this from a biblical economics standpoint. What is my responsibility as a businessman with a successful business? What's my responsibility to people who are in, in poverty or in need yeah. or need a way out of their situation? I think the responsibility is huge. Somebody wants to know, hey, what are we supposed to do? Well, let's think about this one. Let's think about how do we help people literally go find them. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it, we, we're supposed to care. Yeah. We're supposed to go. It take, it's a verb again. Mm-hmm. What if we actively go look for people who need our help and then we give it freely? Mm, yeah. What if we... What if we see people who, you know, people who just, they could be incredible business people, but nobody will give them even a job. Right. They, they could be great teachers, but nobody will help them get to college yeah. Yeah. Or, or help them get through a situation so they can get their education and help others. Yeah. What if we could figure out how to continually being engaged in these kinds of activities as a kingdom agenda. not well, Let's not call it social justice. Let's call it justice. Just kingdom justice. It's, it's Bible justice. It's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. What if I can give people jobs that can't get a job anywhere else because they haven't had the right kind of background or education to get, get them there? What if you, we, we've been playing around with this with Destiny School of the Arts here recently where... Now, 10% of our children are kids that are scholarship because they, their parents could never pay to get them there. Mm-hmm. And many of them are non-English speaking children who we are actually going to give a shot at their livelihoods one day That's because awesome. they learn how to speak English. So good. You know, you guys are giving yeah. scholarships yeah. To, to, to people. And yeah. what, if we, what if we start being that kind of church? Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things you just said about... Uh, you use the word verb, and I love that because the church for so long is viewed as a noun, a place, or people, or a thing. Yeah. And I truly believe the church is church is a verb. Yeah. It is the outcalling of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so we have to understand that when we sign up for being a part of the church, you know, not talking about life ticket or or City Hills or Destiny Church, but when we sign up and say we want to be a part of the church, the outcalling, we are signing up to be in action, that love in action. So there is a personal responsibility that we all have to actually to act out, to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ as we act out and, and carry out that personal responsibility. And I'm I'm a firm believer that as just as Jesus Christ did for us, that there is I don't know if I'm just going to say this the right way. I'm just going to say it the way it comes to me is I feel like there's there's more reward even when you do something for someone 
and you don't get anything back. Yeah. You have nothing to gain. It's just simply out of the love of your heart, because of the love of Jesus Christ, you make a decision that I want to be an extension, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I want to be that action. I want to be the church. Yeah. And, and, and so that's why I love, uh, you know, as you mentioned, we have the scholarships that we give uh, to high school graduates uh, each year. And, and one of the things that we talked about when we put the scholarship together, that it is not a requirement to be a Christian. Like you don't have to go to a church or be a Christian to receive the scholarship from Life Ticket Church uh, because it's not for us. It's not about that. It's about being the love of Jesus Christ. And we have so much opportunity to do that in our world today. And if we come together, think about how much more we can How much do. more. Yeah. yeah. And wow. So much. <laughs> I would, you know, I have so much to learn. There's so much I need to change in my own life. Um, in our, even our church, and um, I, I think that for me, the the scripture we started out in Jeremiah kind of brings this all around. Where God sends through Jeremiah, He says, "Work as the people of God in a pagan, foreign land. Um, pray for its welfare. Work for it because your welfare depends on theirs." will determine their welfare determine. will determine your welfare yeah mm -hmm. there's this divine connection and it just hit me as we were having this conversation we mentioned this earlier that you know jeremiah is prophesying to the people of god in babylon this is the same time in which we read of daniel and then you read in daniel daniel had a place in government so nobody's saying in here that i mean we need godly people in government yeah. we need but the issue is, and this is what I just hit me that was so powerful, was you know, the, the massive Bible stories that we read about the miracles, the provision, the miraculous hand of God that shows up, that literally in Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar steps back and says, your God is the God. Mm. After Daniel survives the lion's den, after the three Hebrew boys come through the burning fiery furnace, we preach those. But what was it? that caused the hand of God to move so mighty. It was these men that were in the middle of a very politicized, pagan country that worked for its well-being. Daniel had places in government. Joseph, same thing. Joseph, mm -hmm. way back in Genesis. But when the government overstepped and went against kingdom principles, Daniel said, I will not eat that food. Yeah. <clears throat> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, look, we're happy to serve in this government, but we will, I don't care who's in power, I don't care what political party's saying it, we will not bow. And when they started acting and living like that, there's a fourth man that shows up in the fire. Mm -hmm. There's a God that shuts the mouths of lions. Yes. Yeah. If we could capture this life, wow. Yeah. Wow. The hand of God that could come that we so desperately have wanted for in the church in America, we need God to do the miraculous. Well, could it be that God is waiting on us mm. to start living like that? Yeah. And he says, if I find a people that will live like that, will be more committed, and their allegiance will be to my kingdom, and I'll show up in the fire. Mm. I'll give miraculous provision where you need it. I think... Our response should be, there is no other way. There's no other option for us. The, 
the, the whole issue of reconciliation, we're mandated yeah. to reconcile. We're mandated to be activists for those in need, for the poor, for, for the marginalized, for the people. Who, you know, we listen, uh, gosh, we could go on forever, <laughs> but we listen to um, uh, Tom Skinner talk about bootstraps. Yeah. You know, people say, well, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. And I love what he said. He says, there are no bootstraps. People just shredded them. Everybody got help from somebody Some, to get us. to where you are. Yeah. Everybody. You can think, I, I can think over and over where I got to be was because of people yeah. who did something for me. Yeah. So what if we can begin to do, do that? that? Yeah. And, and for people, and, and they don't have to be in our churches. Right. They, you know, bless these people so we can be blessed. Yes. It was a great idea. Let's be those kind of people. Let's be those kinds of pastors. Let's be the kind of church yeah. where we can do this together and build and love and care and, and not be cul-de-sac Christians where there's a dead end of the flow of God's work through us. Let's just open up the doors. Yeah. Jeffrey, pray for us. Jesus, thank you for these conversations. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that we have the roadmap in the middle of the chaos and in the middle of a world that is far from you. Um, let us just have the courage to read it and live by it, to believe it, to obey it. Um, you are not without a witness. Um, it's not like you haven't given us our marching orders. I pray, God, that we as a church would, would do the hard work we would repent where we have missed it, that we would reclaim your voice, God, that we would reclaim the way of Jesus, and that we would commit our allegiance, our lives, our futures, our families, everything committed to you and your way, and say to the world around us that we will not bow under pressure but we will stand for God and his kingdom and we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We believe it and we pray it and ask it in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. 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 We love you guys.